0: Well, there's two types of people when it comes to addiction. There's people who are addicted and they know it. And then there are people who lie to themselves and say, I'm not addicted. People who would never put themselves in the category of addicted. And yet, there are things in life that tend to hold you hostage. Well, maybe those are the things that you are addicted to. And maybe, maybe when, I, when you hear me talk about addiction, you think, well, I don't have the biggies. I don't have alcohol problem. I don't, I'm not addicted to prescription drugs. I'm not hooked on pornography. I just don't have an addiction. But there are other things in our life that separate us from the life that God has planned for us. You know what the Bible calls when we get separated from the life God has planned for us? It's a three-letter word that's a dirty word today outside of church because if you say it, it means you're judging somebody. But it's a three-letter word, and it's spelled S-I-N, sin. So addictions are sinful. Wow. So things in my life that hold me hostage, that pull me back from the life I'm supposed to live and, and make me feel caged in, those are sins. And it's easy to call the big ones sin, but what about the other ones? What about the the ones that get less press? The ones that you would never say, yep, I'm addicted. It's a big problem. It's a sin in my life I've got to conquer. Early on in the Bible, you read about sin. You start reading the book of Genesis, and it's not long until you read about sin. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now, going up the aisles you don't have one, please take one. It's yours to keep, or you can give it back when you leave today. We give those out every week at LifePoint because we believe the words in there are true, and they will tell you how to have a relationship with the one true God. And they will also reveal to you how to break free from the things that hold you hostage. In the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 4, verse 7, it's talking about this is talking to Cain and Abel, Adam and Eve's sons. And one of their sons, Cain, had a had a big attitude problem. And it's not talking about addiction here, but it's talking about sin. And here's what it says about sin. If you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. This word crouching, like sin crouching in our door. The, the word picture there is is like a lion on all fours, like getting down on all fours, ready to attack. You ever, watch, you ever watch the Discovery Channel? And there's this cute little gazelle or zebra or something just grazing and thinking the world is great and everything is fine, but the cameraman is somehow positioned just perfectly, a camera that shows a lion just behind a bush and the little gazelle or whatever it is doesn't know what's about to happen it thinks everything is just fine but this lion is crouching just waiting to devour its prey and by the time the prey sees the lion guess what you, you, you know you get a you, you get a tv 14 rating because it rips it to shreds it kills it all the while it thought it was safe until that last moment when it was too late to get away that's what sin does to us it crouch, that's what the Bible said. It crouches at our door, just eager. It just can't wait to get control over our lives. The Bible talks about the evil one, Satan, the bad guy. And he is just waiting, just eager to take control over our lives. And when we allow addiction to come into our lives, we're just saying, Here, control me. And giving him control. And just like that little gazelle that's eating grass, not realizing the danger it's in, if I were the evil one crouching at the door wanting to devour someone who's in an addiction, the best way to do it is to make them feel like they don't have an addiction, right? So if I don't think I'm addicted, I'll never get better. I'll never get it out of my life and I'll live my whole life feeling trapped, being held hostage by my addiction, especially if I don't think it's an addiction at all. Here's a textbook definition of addiction. It's the condition of being habitually or compulsively occupied with or involved in something. let me read that again. It's the condition of being habitually or compulsively occupied with or involved in something. Man, that brings up a lot of other things that I wouldn't think is an addiction. That doesn't just say alcohol and drugs and pornography. That says a lot of other things. Could I be addicted to my Blackberry? Have you ever gone to lunch with somebody and they're just like, uh-huh, yeah, oh yeah, oh okay. It's like, dude, come on, I'll just text me next time, okay? I won't waste the eight bucks for lunch. So could this be an addiction? Well, can you be habitually or compulsively occupied with or involved with it? Yes. So could, could the 42 ounces of caffeine I've already had today be an addiction? <laughs> could it? I can't talk about it too much because the sermon will have to get really short, if you know what I mean. So let's move off caffeine onto something else. Could could food be an addiction? Could I start to look for comfort in food and just eat it and eat it and eat it and be addicted because I'm trying to fill myself up but actually it's not doing anything but making me more and more and more unhealthy? Food could be an addiction. Could the internet be an addiction? Absolutely. I just saw an article somewhere in a newspaper or or in a magazine that there's this epidemic. People are addicted to the internet. They just can't get away from it. And now it's on my phone, so I can't get away from it. Anytime you send me an email, it comes like eight different places, including right here on my phone. I shouldn't have told you that. So, so it's, it's in real time. All of those things are addictions. Could a person be addicted to work? Absolutely. Absolutely just trying to get ahead, just trying to make my way, just trying to provide for my family. But you're addicted to work because you can't stop. Could a person be addicted to just, yeah, 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 just chatter, just gossip, just talking? Of course. Because the more you talk, the more you think it casts yourself in a better light to other people. So you just get addicted and you just talk and talk. Whether it's true or not, that's irrelevant. You're just talking. That's called gossip. And there are lots of things that we find ourselves being held hostage to that we would never think, well, that's an addiction. If I would have said, are you addicted or not, you would have put yourself in the not category. But according to the definition, it's anything I'm compulsively occupied with or involved with habitually. Here, here's some facts about addiction I'm going to unpack. An addiction, well, everybody has one. Nobody plans it. An addiction starts as an attempt to cope or be fulfilled. It's harder to stop than start, and you can't stop on your own. In the ministry of Jesus, He dealt with people who had addictions. Now, it doesn't say an addicted man came up to Jesus. It never says that. But the way the stories unfold, the people that come up and try to get life advice from Jesus or, or get some teaching from Jesus it's pretty obvious that many of them dealt with addictions. Addictions to money. Addiction to, uh, addiction to religion or popularity. Addiction to power and position. Jesus dealt with people who had addictions all the time. One story that's in John chapter 4 I'm going to kind of walk through today is the story of a young woman that Jesus met up with when he was just going to the well to get a drink of water because he was thirsty. And he met up with this woman and he started to have this conversation. And, and the setting is that the, Jesus' disciples had gone to buy food and he was thirsty, so he goes to this well and this Samaritan woman comes up. And, and Jews aren't supposed to talk to Samaritans, but Jesus talks to her. So that intrigues her anyway, so he, he has got her attention. She's listening because she is an addicted person. Not to a substance but to men. She's addicted to approval from men. And it's obvious when Jesus talks to her that he already knows that. And and he goes on to tell her, look, you had five husbands. And you're living with somebody now that's not even your husband. You're addicted, woman you got a problem. You're looking for answers, and you're looking to be filled up by these relationships that you're jumping from one to the other to the other, thinking this one's going to fill me up. No, 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 this one's going to fill me up. Oh, that guy was a jerk, but this one's a lot nicer. He's better looking. This one will work out. Oh, this one's got a good job. Now, that one's going to work out. And she just went from one to the other, and now she's on number six, and she's just living with him. And it quickly becomes apparent that she is addicted To men, whether it's for approval or just to feel loved, just to feel important, for whatever reason, she's an addict. And Jesus knows this, and he starts, like he knows you are too, and he starts to talk to her. He meets her right where she is, like he does with us. He's talking to her about water, but he's really not talking about water. And she's carrying these big, heavy water jars every day back and forth. He uses that. To take the first step to set her free from her addiction. Listen what he says to her in John chapter 4, beginning at verse 13. He says, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up into eternal life. She was addicted because she was thirsty for approval, or whatever. Every person I've ever met who deals with an addiction is addicted because they were searching for something. There was something in their life that was missing and they were searching for it and they were trying to get filled up by it. But you can't use enough, look enough, work enough, talk enough, be busy enough to fill yourself up. And she had figured this out. You can try all those things and you're going to end up thirsty again. And I bet as I've just for a few minutes talked about addiction, you've started to think through all the things that you're addicted to or the one or two big ones. You're thinking, man, if I knew how to end this, I would. If there was a way that I could end this addiction, I would do it. At the core of addiction is my attempt to substitute something else for God in my life. At the core of my addiction is my attempt to substitute something else for God in my life. Whether it's pills to numb the pain. Or alcohol every evening to just take the edge off. Success to fill you up. Or just money and purchasing and buying stuff and more and more stuff. Or maybe it's just busyness. Those are all an attempt to fill up your life. With something other than God, how, how could how could busyness do that? How could work do that? You know, I've seen so many people who are addicted to busyness and they don't even know it because they don't slow down enough to know it, right? I mean running the kids here and there and got all this stuff going on and, and, and you think you're doing your kids a favor by saying we're going to involve you in all these things and keep you really busy and life's going to be better for you. In reality, about the time they're 25 they're going to have to go see a counselor because they can't even slow down and figure out what life is all about because you've had them busy from the time they woke up for the first 20 years of their life just busy, 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 busy and they can't find peace now because you never had peace. The amount of peace in your kid's life is going to be the amount of peace that's in your life. God is not the God of chaos. He's the God of peace. and every area of your life where there is no peace, that's an area you haven't said, God, here you go. God brings peace whenever you bring him into an area of your life. And when you give your whole life over to him, that's a chance for a life of peace. And if you're so busy right now, you think that, Is life just always chaotic? It is when you don't allow God to completely rule and control your life. Life is not meant to be chaos from beginning to end, but we do a pretty good job at making it that way. And maybe there's no peace in your life because you just won't slow down and stop whatever it is you need to stop. And when we talk about addictions, I mean, I, I had a couple of weekends start on you preparing for this message, so I got to really think about mine and the things that I deal with and, and and just just the stuff I need to just say, oh, here's some addictions that I really deal with. And, you know, here was one. I noticed that a lot of times I would uh, late at night watch, watch a lot of TV, mostly news, like boring, you know, gosh, I can't feel weird confessing that to you. I watch a lot of news or used to. And and I would think, I don't need to watch this. I don't that's not that's not winding down. That's hyping up and making you stressed out because most news is not good and it's always talking about bad about somebody else, wherever that is, or wherever they are in the spectrum. And I thought I gotta stop doing that. So maybe the best way to do it, save a little money. Let's just get rid of cable. Let's just cut the whole cable thing. So we cut the cable. Just four days into cutting cable, I'm sitting on the couch. It's quiet in her house because the TV's not on because there's only like a few channels now from antenna. She'll get a little bit of news. <laughs> uh, we're sitting there on the couch and all four of us are in the house. And it was a day a little over a week ago when the kids didn't have school on Monday. And my youngest daughter, who I've already asked if I could share this story, and she breaks the silence by saying, Dad, I cannot live like this. <laughs> can can we please get cable back? And I said, no. And I'm thinking, I'm a terrible father. She's 11 years old, and she can't make it four days without cable television? I mean, life will go on without the current Hannah Montana episode. Trust me, honey. I'm trying to have this discussion with her to explain it. And, I mean, she's still, a couple of weeks into it, is like, like what are we doing when we get home? Well, I would watch TV, but I can't. And I know they're just sitting there thinking, what are they going to take away next? What are they going to do We get so addicted so easily to things that we think, well, that's no harm. Just this one little thing. Guess how much more she reads? More than just commercials and things across the bottom of the screen. (laughs) Reading books. It really works. Nobody starts an addiction by saying, I want to get addicted to this. However old you are or were when you... So somebody, a teenager, takes a drink of alcohol. They don't take that drink saying, I'm going to take this drink. And I'm going to take another drink. And I'm going to recreationally drink. And, and, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to drink. I'm going to drink my way through high school. I'm going to drink my way through college. And then it's going to be where I really have to have it to kind of cope with the day's stress. I'm going to hide it in a bunch of different places. And then it's going to affect the relationships with my friends. And then my professional life and my career, it's going to affect that. And, and then it's going to affect the relationship with my husband or wife. And, and I just want to take this first drink so I can go ahead and just get started on that path. Nobody sits drowning in a drink, saying this is just the way I planned it back when I took that first drink. Nobody plans it that way. Nobody goes into the doctor's office at 50 years old and they say, we found a spot on your lung because you've been smoking for 35 or, 40, or 35 or 40 years. You've been smoking and now we found the spot and, and and it just doesn't look good. Nobody says, Doc, that's exactly what I had planned when I took that first puff back in middle school. People don't say that. Nobody goes onto their computer and says, I want to look at something that's not the reality of sexuality. It's it's just it's a distorted a big distortion of reality. It's not God's plan. I'm going to look at it so it can distort my view of sex. And I'm going to let that drip onto my mind like a poison that can never be erased. I'm just going to look and then years from now, when you're sitting in a counselor's office saying, I'm addicted to pornography, but I'm addicted because I planned it way back when I took that first look as a teenager. Nobody watches their kids drive off to college and says, yep, we didn't spend enough time with them, and that is just the way I planned it. You don't plan to work crazy hours, overtime, overtime. You don't you don't say I want to work all these hours and 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 be away from my family and not be the father or mother or husband or wife that that you can be so later on you can regret it when your kids are gone. Nobody says that. So addictions never start out to be addictions. They're just giving something to try. Or 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 just getting saying I need a little bit of this or it, it makes sense to do this at this point in my life or Addictions always start out as an attempt to cope, or deal, or fill myself up, or have a little bit of fun. But for some people, it becomes a lifelong addiction. So Jesus is dealing with this woman at the well. He's talking about water, but he's really not talking about water. And and he tells her, look, you can drink this water again, lady, but you can get thirsty again. You can... You can drink all this water you want, but it's going to be leaving you thirsty. So no matter what your addiction is, it'll leave you thirsty again. But he offers her a way to never be thirsty again, to never look to men again for fulfillment, to never look to a man to make her feel whole. He offers her something much deeper than that. And I imagine she started to think, you mean I can really get full? And I don't have to go from this guy to that guy to that guy to that guy to feel good about myself? I can really be full? That's the same thing he offers us. She said this, sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. See, Jesus told her how to break free from her addictions. And he tells us how to break free from ours. Now, breaking free is a lot harder than me just giving you three or four steps. Here's three steps to breaking free from your addiction. If you're really in the depths of an addiction, you're going, yeah, right, I've tried that before and it didn't work. I mean, some of you sitting here today need professional help. You need to leave here and go make the phone call and get professional help. Some of you don't need professional help. Some of you can take steps today, make decisions today, that'll help conquer your addiction. Now, there's just a few things. I'm just going to share them with you. Just make some notes. Just write these down. And, and just, it involves us being active in our recovery and us breaking out of the cage that's holding us hostage, that cage of addiction. You got to do some things. The first thing, the first thing everybody has to do, whether it's a, an addiction that's really serious where you've got to go through a long, long, long uh, recovery and detox and all that stuff, whether it's that or it's something like, i don't know your blackberry or the internet or whatever you've got to start with turning to god in romans chapter 6 verses 12 and 14 it says therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires but rather offer yourselves to god for sin shall not be your master that word for master is a greek word that just means to rule over to have dominion to be your lord and if you only write down one thing today, answer the question this week. What is ruling over me? What's ruling over me? And then start to, start to try to identify what are the triggers that make me do what I do? I'm trying to turn to God. And I've, I mean, I've got to help with this too. I mean, you know, so, so what, what are the triggers? You know, the biggest trigger for addiction is stress. Because when my stress is up, my guard is down. And it's easier to let something rule over me. Whether I'm pouring something into a cup. Whether I'm popping a pill or looking at the internet or working over hours. Whatever it is. When my stress is up, my guard is down. But turning to God will make all the difference. God is where you need to turn. Now, you can go by the bookstore today if you want to swing by Barnes & Noble, and you can go on one of their shelves, and it it has the phrase self-help. If you could, I mean, who got you into this addiction? Now, there's probably books there that would be very helpful, psychology books that can probably help you understand yourself a little bit better. But self-help, self is what got you into it. So how is self-help going to get you out of it? It's got to involve God. So turning to God has to be part of the process to breaking free from an addiction. The next thing is turn to a friend. James 5 verse 16 says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Turning to a friend, that's, that's accountability. Everyone needs someone in their life to whom they're accountable to everybody. Now, I would recommend finding somebody you can trust if you're going to share things about your life. I mean, if you see somebody and they're a big talker, you know, that's probably not the person to choose. Choose wisely when you choose who you're going to make yourself and allow yourself to be accountable to. One of the rules about accountability is you choose who you're accountable to. And if they don't write your paycheck, they can't force themselves force you to be accountable to them if they write your paycheck you don't have much of a choice but in the relational and spiritual setting you choose who you are accountable to typically when people are in accountability relationships and i've noticed this throughout the years that about the first 90 percent is really easy to share it's not hard to say man i'm addicted to tv and caffeine, can you believe I'm addicted to caffeine? I mean, my goodness, dude, I act like I'm addicted to caffeine. I, You know, I'm addicted to work. I work so many hours. I just Those are kind of easy. That's that 90% that's pretty easy to share. But there's that last 10% that you have to find somebody you can share that with. Because it's easy to go that first 90, but the last 10. So share the last 10. The last 10%. It's where you say things like, Man, I got alcohol hidden in my car. I got it in the house. I got it in the office. Those pills say prescription, but I don't really need them for that. I just need them because I'm hooked. The last ten percent is where you say, I just can't stop looking. I just can't go to those can't stop going to those websites. I just can't stop using. I just can't stop trying. That's that last ten percent. And you've got to have somebody in your life where you can say, I just can't, I can't stop eating, I can't stop drinking, I can't stop taking, whatever it is that you're not willing to open up, you've got to find somebody to share that with. Turn to God, turn to a friend. You, you have to get outside yourself. Because if you could have fixed it on your own, you'd have done it by now. I mean, you look like a somewhat intelligent group of people. You got dressed You look like you've probably had breakfast. You'll probably be able to feed yourself for lunch. You'll probably be able to drive your car back home. So if you could have fixed it by now, you would have. We're not stupid. So you need help outside of you to fix it, no matter how big or how small you think it is. You need help others that's why life groups are so important getting involved in relationships with other people that's why we provide lots of opportunities for you to do that whether it's on a service team or a group or just hanging out or whatever and if you feel all alone at this church you come and talk to me send me an email i get it right here on my phone and i'll see it no matter where i am so so send me one and say look i'm alone i'm just having trouble getting connected either we're not doing our job or you're not doing yours and we'll, we'll talk and we'll determine how, how to get you connected with people. Another thing we need to do is turn and fight. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 and 4 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So there are these weapons. They're not guns and knives and swords. They're they're, they're spiritual weapons that we have at our disposal. Those of us who say, I follow Jesus Christ, he provides in our arsenal weapons that will demolish the strongholds that hold us captive, that keep us hostage. No matter what it is, there are weapons to get it out of your life. I'm going to share a few of those with you. The first one is irrational obedience. God asks us to obey, and he asked us to obey even when it doesn't make sense. You can read in the Bible about Noah building the ark, and that's a true story. I believe it literally happened. He built that ark in the desert. He built that ark before it had ever rained. He built that ark by himself and brought all these animals on. And do you think the people around him were looking and going, well, that makes total sense? I completely understand why you would build that big of a boat out in the middle of the desert and take all these animals on it. I mean, these folks had never seen rain. So, you know, they got to be thinking, you are an idiot. You're crazy. That makes no earthly sense. And it didn't. If you would have been there, you would have said the same thing, and I would have too. God told you to build the boat. Yeah, right. If anybody says to me, anytime somebody says, God told me to do this, to be honest, the first thoughts in my head, mm-hmm, keep going. Let me hear what God tell you to do today. Irrational obedience will get us closer to recovery than anything else. And there's story after story in the Bible of where people obeyed and it made no sense. When Jesus was with his disciples once, well, they were by themselves. He was on the shore, so he walks on the water out towards them. One of the disciples, Peter, he says, if that's you, Jesus, let me walk to you. Now, the rest of them probably had to be thinking, because they didn't try to get out. They were thinking, well, that's stupid. That makes no earthly sense to try to walk on the water. It can't happen. Laws of physics here. I know it's first century, but, you know, I I got that if I step in water, I'm going to sink. And Peter, when Jesus said, come on, walk to me, he stepped out and he walked on water for a little while. The only person other than Jesus ever to do that because he put all rationale aside and said, I am going to obey. And through irrational obedience, our lives can change. Maybe it means you leave here today, you go home, you pull out the credit cards and you just cut them all up. Because it's like, you know what, that's the only way that I'm going to stop spending. Maybe you go and you call up a friend and you say, hey, here's something I can't stop doing and I just got to tell somebody. Maybe it means you tell your kids, you know what, we're not going to be involved in as much stuff. I'm just going to pull you out of a couple of things. Well, you can't quit. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. When it's the health of your family, you can quit. Maybe you go into your employer and say, you know what, I'm done. There's my two weeks, my month, whatever it is you need to do. Because my family is more important than any income, than any amount of success I can achieve. And I want to break free from that addiction. Now that makes no sense. Maybe you think, well, wait a minute. It's not a good job market if I quit. Irrational obedience will get you closer to freedom than just about anything else. I know someone who burned their computer. Burned it. Set the thing on fire. Because they couldn't stop looking at pornography. That's irrational obedience, and I, I know it was $1,500, $2,000. As far as I know, he's still free. That's what it's going to take for some of us to break free from an addiction. Do whatever it takes, and it doesn't have to make sense to anybody. Irrational obedience is a weapon that will break strongholds when nothing else will. Another weapon we have is this. We hand them out every week. God's Word. Obedience to God's Word. Dedication to reading God's Word and, and staying in it and realizing that in this Word, there are, in this book, there are words that will help us break free. In this book, you can read it say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You can read it saying, say, God didn't give us a spirit of fear or timidity, but God gave us a spirit of love, of power, and of self-discipline. In here, you can read it saying, we are more than conquerors through the power of Him who called us. And words after words after words that can break strongholds in your life. See, the evil one that's crouching at the door, when you start doing that, all of a sudden you become aware of what's going on, and you're a little bit more aware of what's around you and and that sin is just waiting to control you and you can't be controlled by it when you're when you're irrationally obeying and when you're dedicated to God's word. And you know, when it comes to this, every week we hand one out. Every week I say, Read this. And I, I know, I know it's hard. I know it's hard to think, okay, i got to read, and it feels like, it just feels like school or something. i got to read this thing every day, and some days it doesn't make sense, and that's going to happen. But one thing I can't do, I can teach you to the best of my ability. I can help provide environments for you to grow spiritually, but I can't read your Bible for you. And no other leader can either. You have to do that. And even if it brings up more questions than answers, don't stop, because it's a powerful weapon. The last weapon I'll share with you is militant prayer. Without prayer, I will always do less than I could do. I will always be less than I could be. And I will always gain less than I could gain if I don't pray. And I'm not talking about just praying, God, thank you for the meal. Amen. I'm talking about on your knees, beside your bed, with your husband or wife or by yourself, whatever. And just praying for God to give you the strength to break free from the thing that holds you hostage. Sin cannot hold up against militant prayer. It took a long time for you to get into your addiction, and it's not going to end today. But you can sure take the first step and start the process, because in that process, God will reveal himself to you. In the process of this, the duration of this conversation Jesus had with this woman at the well in John chapter 4, it became apparent to her that he was a very wise man and a prophet. And then she starts talking about this Messiah that they're waiting on, and the story comes to a close with Jesus saying to her, "I who speak to you am He." What He's saying is, "I'm Jesus. I'm the guy you've been waiting on. You just had a conversation with me." And in your process of saying, "Okay, I'm going to turn to God, I'm going to turn to my friends, find somebody to be accountable to, and I'm going to turn, I'm going to fight," in that process. God will reveal himself to you. Jesus will, he'll do it. In the process, whether it's painful and you feel like you can't do it, keep going, keep fighting because he will reveal himself to you. He did it over and over again in in scripture. And I know nobody desires to be addicted. And and you don't want to keep going back to the bottle or the pills or the computer or the busyness or the credit cards or the food or whatever it is. You don't want to do that, so don't. Jesus is offering to fill you up. Now, some people have followed Christ for years, and you're still dealing with addiction. Some of you here today, maybe you've never taken that firm step across the line and said, I want to become a follower of Christ. If if that's you, and you're dealing with an addiction, you start with coming to know who Jesus Christ is. Come and talk to me about that. Come talk to Eddie about that. Any other leader you see here on the stage, anybody else on staff, come talk to us, and we'd love to talk to you about what it means to step into and commit to a relationship with Jesus Christ. You don't have to live a hostage to your addictions. As I was... Preparing this message, I was thinking, okay, we really need a way for people to respond. We really need some kind of a, a mechanism for people to at least say, hey, I need some help because what good would it do if I talked for 30 minutes and you went home? There was no next step. So here's what we're going to do. If you're sitting there and you've identified an addiction or you knew it before you came in here and you're saying, i got to have some help or I, I, need a, I, need a, I need a person to be accountable to, just turn over that green Up" card that's in your program. Nobody's going to see this but a pastor, okay? The normal people that see our "What's Up" cards won't see them until after those are pulled out. All you have to do on the back is write help. That's it. And we'll be in touch with you this week. And whatever your next step needs to be, we'll help you determine that. We'll put you in touch with people that can help you. We even have groups meeting right here at LifePoint that can help you, that you can get in this week. With other people who are dealing with the same things you're dealing with. All you have to do, and it'll be confidential, is write it on the back of that WhatsApp card. Just the word help. Another thing, if you just don't want to leave here without being prayed for today. If, if you just think I've got to have somebody pray for me, uh, then I'm going to pray for everybody at the end. But if you, want, if you want individual prayer, we would love to do that for you and with you. And another person and I will be right back here on this landing right in the middle. And when we're singing this last song or when you're leaving, whenever you feel compelled to do that, you just walk over there and we'll pray with you. John chapter 4 verse 13 says, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Any answer that does not include Jesus is no answer at all. And may you drink from the life that only Jesus Christ can offer. Let's pray. God, I pray for the people here today who are dealing with addictions and the person that really wants to write help on the back of their card but they just can't bring themselves to do it i pray as we sing this last song that they would just right there in their seat just make the decision to write that one little word and start the process to break free from their addiction god may we seize the weapons that you make available to us and god even the people that want to pray today Help them just to put aside the feelings of just feeling a little awkward walking down in front of people and and praying. Just put all that aside and bring them to your throne in prayer. God, may the people who struggle today take the first step and break free from their addiction. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.